Hi, this is Pete Worrell with Bigelow, introducing you to another episode of the Positive Enterprise Value podcast. Today, I'm thrilled to have as my guests, my friends and clients, Dave and Cindy Francis, who uh, have kind of a hero's journey to tell you about. Dave and Cindy uh, have had many chapters in their journey as entrepreneurs. Uh, They started out with Cindy growing up in a family business that was uh, run by her dad, Fred Fowler, uh, who himself was a second generation owner. And she tells us a little bit of the story about what that was like growing up with her dad as a wild man entrepreneur, uh, getting together and marrying David, uh, Francis, Dave, uh, spending some time in the business, then, um, leaving the business and Dave and Cindy moving to the middle part of the country, going out on their own, actually having some entrepreneurial uh, experiences of their own, moving back to the East Coast, starting up a different company. Uh, and then ultimately, um, when uh, Cindy's father, uh, Fred, was diagnosed with a terminal illness, Dave coming back into the business in the breach, uh, theoretically, temporarily, to kind of solve some problems with the business, and now just having come through a very successful uh, recapitalization um, telling about their dreams and hopes for the next chapter. So I think Dave and Cindy have a story that is uh, particularly rich with um, lessons and uh, uh, comedy, humor, uh, things to focus on, things not to do. And any entrepreneur, owner, manager, or aspiring entrepreneur will get a hell of a lot out of it. I sure hope you enjoy it as much as I enjoy bringing it to you. One of the questions I had for you is... Um, I've heard so much about your father, Fred, mm-hmm. and I feel cheated that I didn't get a chance to meet him, <laughs> uh, because in my view, the, the stories I've heard about him is that he would, it is, and when I say with this with great affection, it was a severe entrepreneur. Yes. What are your earliest <clears throat> memories of your dad as an entrepreneur? Uh, well, just that he... He commands a room. When he walks in a room, he commands it. He's the biggest person there, and he it's usually his ideas over anybody else's. Um, he always was looking for the next opportunity. I remember when Dave and I moved. Dave had worked for him prior years. We ended up moving to Michigan, and Dave ended up was not working for him anymore. And... I remember driving with him in the car through, um, can't remember the, the name of the I think town. You're in like Novi or something. Novi, like and all of we passed all of these businesses, and he just wanted to get out of the car so bad and go knock on these doors. Yeah, I bet they need my product. I, I bet you they need my product. That's a that's a definite guy that could use us. That's a look at that machine shop. Look at that, and that's when I, I think that that for me was something that stood out as why he would be um, considered an entrepreneur, just always looking for opportunity. And Dave, when you, how did it come that you happened to join the business the first time? Uh, I had, I was in real estate in 2008 hit, and uh, real estate wasn't looking particularly promising for the next several years. And, uh, And Fred said to me, you know, I'm, I'm actually in a position right now where I need somebody. And uh, if you're ever going to come to the company, now would be a really good time. And, uh, you know, those two things together seem, seem pretty good. We had a young family, and 
that we needed to support. And uh, so I said, yeah, sure, let's give, it, let's give it a shot. With the understanding that I knew absolutely nothing about uh, metrology. Um, I knew about sales, I knew how to lead a sales team. Um, but I knew absolutely nothing about uh, metrology. He said, don't worry about that, we can teach you that. <laughs> and so what did you find when you got there? Um, what I found was that, well, I, my, the first thing that I remember was, you know, I'd been in the real estate game, and the real estate game is a very different game. It's a very, um, you know, you're, you're um, negotiating very big deals. It's taking a very long time for these deals to close. Uh, Cindy and I would spend a lot of uh, sleepless nights waiting for checks to come in. And uh, I just remember the first day being at Fowler and watching the, um, the fax machine at that time. Yeah, date myself. Yeah, uh, you know, just kept spitting out orders, and I said, "Wow, this is great." Yeah, yeah, right, <laughs> right. This is a this is a a sea change from what I'm used to. Yeah, the velocity uh, the and the velocity frequency of the, the frequency feedback of the, the effect, orders. Yeah, right? yeah. And the other thing was that um, in the real estate uh, game, <laughs> you know, it was oftentimes very confrontational. Um, and the other thing that uh, really impressed me right off with the metrology is that. Uh, uh, it was not a confrontational space. The, our customers were, uh, they liked us, uh, they wanted to do business with us, we were friendly, um, you know, our suppliers were friendly, um, and it was just a much more, so it, you know, just the business was much more enjoyable. Not adversarial. Not adversarial. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing that, those are the things that really struck me early on, yeah. So as the two of you think about the chapters of either your life or your life and the business. Um, you went into that chapter after 2008 and then the chapter came to an end. Why was that? I think that, uh, you know, when Fred and I initially talked about me coming to work for him, it, you know, there was a lot of uh, discussion about, uh, you know, I'm going to be retiring someday and, um, you know, I'd, I'd really like, you know, you to be part of that. And I think he was trying to, you know, I, I, and after five years, it turned out that that really wasn't his intention at all. Um, he wanted to stay there as long as he physically could do it. And, um, and you know, entrepreneurs, uh, and I'm guilty of the same thing, uh, but you get to a point where you get, uh, you know, you get a little adverse to risk. And he was at that point where he was running the company. We've talked about it being, you know, a bit of a lifestyle business. Mm -hmm. And I think that he was entering that lifestyle phase. He was certainly an entrepreneur still, but uh, didn't what he was a, becoming more risk adverse. Mm -hmm. um, I was out as the uh, director of sales. I was out meeting with the customers and understood pretty clearly what we needed to do to uh, to grow our market. And I would come back to him and say, "We got to do this, 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 and this." And he would say, yeah, th th those are all really good ideas, uh, but we're not going to do any of it. And, and I think after um, five years of that, it, uh, you know, it was kind of clear to me that really what he wants me to do is come in and turn the lights on, turn the lights off, and wait for him to be done doing this. And to me, that just wasn't a really exciting uh, uh, proposition. And so uh, we, had a, uh, we had some difficult discussions. Um, but ultimately, uh, we said that, uh, you know, this just isn't, you know, you're, you're an amazing uh, father-in-law. I love you. Uh, you're an amazing grandfather to our kids, um, grandmother. Um, you know, we love you guys desperately, and, you know, we appreciate the opportunity, but this is just not, you know, this is not our life plan. Right. Uh, to, to, you know, just be caretakers of Fowler. If, we, if you want me there, I'm going to grow it, and, and I want to have an active role in growing it. 
And if that's not the plan, then um, we got to do something different. And wow, so we you did. guys are brave. I mean, <laughs> here you were living in the place near where you grew up, yeah, with near your parents, Cindy, and in the business that your dad had run. And Dave's taking, I'm going to guess, more more responsibility at for, particularly for the external facing part of the business. Yeah. And are you, are you being successful doing that? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah being sure. successful doing that. And I'm going to guess that you're that Fred when he said he really wanted to think about retirement, that in fact he was intellectually honest, that that is what he knew he should do, but... He wasn't ready to but his heart hand over the reins. do that. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. yeah, it was hard. We walked away from an opportunity. And so what did you do? Uh, I went to a company... You know, Fowler at that time was, you know, rough number $16 million probably. Uh, and the company that I went to work for, you know, we, I mean, I immediately doubled my salary. Uh, so that was kind of nice. <laughs> you know, at that age with a young family, that was kind of nice. Uh, and we went to work for a company that was $300 million. Yeah. And uh, with much, and, and the Fowler product line at that time, probably 4,000 product SKUs. Uh, and the company that I went to had half a million product SKUs. Um, and in the industrial distribution, uh, and more broadly in industrial distribution. So we were selling cutting tools, we were selling abrasives, we were selling fluids, we were selling um, you know, a, a broad range of every, everything that you would use in a manufacturing facility. Whereas at Fowler, I was really in this very niche world of metrology, measuring and quality control and inspection equipment. So it, in a very, um, you know, I didn't understand it at the time, but you know, as you go through life, you, you know, these the pieces start to fall together and you look back and you go, okay, that made sense. But um, at the time, um, or at, at looking back on it, that was an incredible move for me. Lots of learning and growing, right? Lots there. of learning and growing. Yeah. Um, and I got to meet so many people in the industry yeah. that I would otherwise have never been able to meet. Um, I got to understand what a, a $300 million company looks like and works like and how you, you, know, and how you have to think about scaling and people. Um, so it was a, it was an amazing, um, you know, it, looking back on it, if if Fred knew what I was going to learn going and doing this for five years at, at this company in Michigan, he probably would have said, you should go do that anyway. Yeah, yeah, that's great. <laughs> because you're yeah. going to get an education, you know, you're going to get a PhD in industrial distribution where here, you know, you're going you're gonna, to, you know, you'll learn what I can teach you, but, you know, you're not going to get the broader picture. So, um it was interesting. It was interesting. And you're, and you're reminding me of a story uh, that uh, I was with a woman uh, one day in Montreal who is the chair of the board of a public company that her family controls. And uh, we were just chatting, and I said to her, Gee, uh, you have siblings, I think, don't you? Yes. And your dad is still with us? Oh, yes. He's very proud of the company. And um, your siblings are not in the business? She said, no, they're not. And I said, but yet you're the chair of the board. And yep, I am. And why? Well, how did that happen? And she said, well, very simple. My father had a rule, two, three, four. And I said, what's two, three, four? She said, well, you had to have two degrees, you had to speak three languages, and you had to work for somewhere else for four years. And she said, no, speaking three languages sounds daunting, but we're in uh, Montreal. Right. So it means I need so to learn one more language. <laughs> right. and, um, you know, uh, I am, I'm an attorney as well as having an undergraduate degree. And then, you know, I worked for another large global corporation for four years. I said, boy, your dad was smart, right? Very smart, uh, yeah. 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 So 
there you are in Michigan. What makes you come back east? Um, well, when we went to Michigan, um, you know, this, this is uh, this is an interesting. Anybody that's been through this understands the um, you know the implications not only on um, you know your business life, uh, but certainly on your personal life, your family, uh, your marriage, um, and um, you know this was going through this process of leaving Fowler um, and Cindy walking not walking away, but you know putting some distance between her mother, uh, her father, the business, um, you know taking the grandchildren up upheaving them and bringing them to Michigan. Uh, these are all life-changing, you know, serious events. Yeah. Um, looking back on them, it doesn't seem like it was that tough a decision, but at the time it was horrible. Um, it really was. And uh, uh, But I, I never have been, you know, so proud of, of Cindy in, you know, her just saying, at, at some point in time she just looked at me and said, Dave, you know, you're my husband. This is our life together. Um, if this is what we have to do, this is what we have to do, and you know I'm with you, and uh, and and that's you know that was that was pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, but she did put a condition on it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you, but <laughs> I'm with you. I'll Provided. give you five years. I'll give you five years. <laughs> oh, yeah. She said at the end of five years, um, and uh, you know we're we're going to come back east. So. And what um, was your motivation on that, Cindy? Just being an East Coast girl and wanting my family. I mean, we had young children, and I just wanted to have our family. All our family was on the East Coast between yeah. Massachusetts and New Hampshire, and just really wanted to have family around us. So I said, in five years, if it's if it's working out, great. But I do want to consider looking coming back. And literally on the fifth year, the at the end of the fifth year. Yeah, this one we. When we decided now it's time. Now it's time to go back. Yeah. Could you hear the clock ticking, Dave? I could definitely hear her clock ticking. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I, I, I loved Michigan. I, I enjoyed it, and I think the kids enjoyed it. And it was, and from a family standpoint, um, it was it was a really great time because we were such a nuclear family. You know, uh, we we'd made friends out there and so forth. But we really, you know, we kind of carved our own path. Right. And and that was nice, and and it felt really good. But um, I think after five years, we were ready to. Um, you know, get back to our our East Coast friends, get back to family, and uh, yeah, and and also some things had changed at the company that I went to work for. Uh, the person that had hired me had you know moved on, and so there were changes going on there, and there were all sorts of reasons that you know just the timing was good. And so, do we, did the conversation begin then with Fred? Uh, no, it didn't. In fact, um, when we moved back to the East Coast, uh, I did not go back to work for Fowler. I don't uh, think I knew that. Yeah, yeah. Um, we, uh, I had, I had started my own business. I was yeah. doing, uh, and and then we went on to another business, which which you know about. Uh, so, so and, and just say a paragraph or two about that. So yeah, you went to the another business, which was like a. I, think I started it was a, a rep consulting business. business. Oh, a yeah, consulting, a rep, okay. a rep business. Yes. Okay, yeah. So. Um, I took all the uh, contacts that I had with, um, you know, on the manufacturing side and the distribution side, right. um, and I put that together into a, a rep agency that um, handled uh, manufacturers, but on a national scale for the for their largest customers. So I, I became uh, I, I, fe I fell into this niche where I became sort of a, a, a VP of sales and marketing for companies that didn't have the, had a great product but didn't have the ability to sell into some of the bigger companies. Yeah, gotcha. Um, so I, 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 
I, you know, I took some of the friction out of there and, and made that happen for them. And it was a and it was a great business uh, and uh, and did very well. And and we did have some discussions when we got back. Um, and mm-hmm. and Fred was very. Um, open and saying that he wanted me to come back and I said Fred you know nothing's really changed other than that the grandchildren are now way closer to you and Nancy um, so that's really good uh, but I, I, I and I love you still <laughs> but I still don't want to work for you right um, yeah so uh, so you, you guys know. started another business or did you buy a business uh, we started another business yeah, that's yeah. interesting I'll say, you a word, that yeah, say a word or two about that <laughs> so our youngest was going off to our oldest is actually was already in college and the youngest was graduating in a couple of years and I said turned to Dave one day and I'm like what am I gonna do when Kelly goes off to college I need something to do and I previous to that I had been an interior designer for 20 something years still enjoyed it but kind of it had lost its luster for me um, always been creative always wanted to do something with handmade with my hands and came up with a recipe for fortune cookies. And so I decided to pursue making these cookies and seeing if people would like to buy them. And actually went to Dave and I'm like, okay, you're the marketing expert, I've got this great idea, what do I do? And he said, you know what you need to do? You need to go to, your, go to our local hospital in York, Maine, go talk to the gift shop and show her the cookies and see what she says because they're pretty impressive. And um, so I brought, I made my samples, took me all day, made my samples, packaged them up, and brought them down to the gift shop, and she loved them. And she bought, I had three dozen, and she bought all of them. And I sat and waited for the phone call. Little market test. And I sat and waited for the phone call, and within two days she called me back, and she said, I want three dozen more. I said, all right. So I packed up my goodies and went to Exeter Hospital same thing Ah. and so that's basically how we started um going using hospital gift shops because they're not for profit yeah um so they can get a nice price for them and um it was a repetitive business a gift item but also a a treat wow and uh yeah that's how it started and then and you were doing it all you were making the cookies designing the cookies making the cookies delivering the cookies making the cookies collecting the, the receivables collect everything yeah and it kind of grew organically, but it just it kind of grew out of control because I was doing everything in my kitchen. Sure. So about a month or two into the business, um, there was a restaurant across the street from us in York, Maine, and she was closed on Mondays. So I asked her if, if I could use her commercial kitchen. I had this great idea, and it was going well. I'll provide my own, you know, I just need your machines. I need your ovens, I need your space. I'll provide my own ingredients, and uh, you'll never know I was there. And she said, absolutely. And I said, well, I want to pay you rent. And she said, no. Wow. This is good friend. Good yeah. friend. Yeah. Wonderful friend. And I'll never forget that. Yeah. And for about nine months, I, every Monday I would go. And, you know, starting out making six dozen cookies, and by the time the nine months was over, we were we had grown. I had grown out of that. I mean, I was schlepping back and forth and and the business grew very very fast so to the point where Dave could see what was happening and he was he started to pitch in and was helping me (laughs) deliver cookies yeah and it grew so fast that we we ended up saying all right I can't keep just baking one day a week this has to turn into we're baking all the time and took a loan out 
from my mom, $80,000, and she was very supportive of everything that we that I always wanted to do and yeah. everything that Dave yeah. and I wanted to do. And um, so I bought equipment, wow. bought two convection ovens. We rented a space in Rollinsford, New Hampshire, in the old mill buildings, yeah. and set up shop. And it's funny when you... I think when you put it out there to the world, I mean, this was, you know, this was 12 years ago. I'm trying to remember how long ago this was. But um, you you put it out there to the world, and people just want to help. They see, if, they see something that they like, and they want to help you. So we had, um, actually, she's uh, in marketing, and she's a sister-in-law, or she's the sister of my sister-in-law, and... Um, owned her own company, but had ties to New Hampshire Chronicle. And so she said, you know, I'm going to pitch this to New Hampshire Chronicle and see if they want to do a piece on you. I'm like, fantastic. That's, that would be amazing. So we weren't spending any money on advertising. It was just word of mouth. And so she, uh, she was able to get in touch with her people at New Hampshire Chronicle. They, we sent them cookies. And she said, yeah, we want to do it. So they came and they filmed us. And it went, I think that was in, I can't even remember, right before Christmas. And the night it aired, our phone was literally ringing off the hook. We couldn't get the orders out fast enough. And it was all hands on deck. I mean, I had That's great. I had friends coming in baking and packaging. And your sister came. And it was really, it was a fun, fun time. And so we got through that lull, and then somehow Phantom Gourmet saw the New Hampshire Chronicle piece, and they wanted to come do a piece on us. And that was right before Valentine's Day. So they came and filmed, and it just, it just kind of kept growing and growing. Um, Dave was working more. You were kind of full-time with me, right? Yeah. At that point, had a foot and two canoes. So Dave would, <laughs> I was I was the operations and he was kind of the marketing and delivery, and I'd make the product and with with the help of of very good friends and bakers, and he would get out there and he'd make all the product and he'd talk to all these people and and uh, he'd find more opportunities for us. Right. So. And, and so when did this chapter come to an end, and, and how did it come to an end? So, um, well, we we got to the point where the business got, to, the cookie business got to the point where we were actually looking for investors. We wanted to automate things because everything was done by hand at that sure. point. And yeah. we, I had been on, another pitch that we did was to QVC. Mm-hmm. I was on QVC twice. We sold 14,000 cookies in seven minutes. <laughs> Which is a lot of cookies. Yeah. A lot of cookies. <laughs> That's a lot of baking to do. Yeah. A lot of baking. So much fun, but so laborious. And uh, so we were looking to automate. And right about that time um, is when we got a phone call that my dad was ill. Oh, yeah. So we had to take a good long look at going, Dave leaving cookies. Yeah. And going to Fowler yeah. to take it over yeah. and keeping cookies, my running it myself. And yeah. I just was at that point where I kept it for another year or so. We had about 300 stores that we were in, wow. mostly Hallmark stores all across the country. And it was a tough decision, but I was, I was ready for him to make this move and 
for us to I don't know, it was it would would have been a lot to do both yes or maybe even impossible yeah yeah so, so I did sell the business. But so you sold the business because I, I saw a cookie last night. Yes. So they're they're still making those cookies. They they're are. still making yeah, the cookies. That's cool. They're yeah. still in this website that we built and the videos that we had done for uh, Chronicle. Chronicle and Phantom and Gourmet. Phantom Gourmet are still on the website. Really? <laughs> yeah. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, you're reminding me of a story. I was with a friend one day, and he uh, is the owner of a very large candle business. So when you think candle business, you probably your mind automatically goes to small. But he owns a very, very large candle business. But he talked about how he got started, which is he got laid off from the telephone company. Hmm. And he went home and hung out and watched cartoons and drank a few beers and felt sorry for himself. And he talked to an old girlfriend who said, well, you know, you always used to like to make candles when we were in college. Why don't you make some candles? He always said to cheer you up. And he said, well, how am I going to do that? She said, well, I don't know. Have you got any soup containers or anything? You could just make some candles. So he went into his kitchen and he opened up every container he could get, dumped out all the insides <laughs> and melted a bunch of wax and made candles. And he realized one of the candles that he was making was like a beautiful sea blue color. And he had it. He added some aroma, and it smelled like blueberry. So he thought on a whim, "Gee, I've got a friend who's a buyer for LL Bean. I'll just take a tray of my candles and see if I can interest them." And of course, you know, the buyer probably did this only as a total favor to the friend. Sure. You know, he showed up in Freeport and said, "These are my candles." And the buyer looked and said, "These are pretty good." And yeah, I said, "Could you put our name on them?" He said, "Well, I guess so. Yeah, sure, absolutely. We get some labels." He said, "Okay, we'll take a hundred dozen." And he said, oh, my God. Now what? <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. It sounds like you had a few of those experiences. Yeah. Yeah, it was fun. It, it was, was a good ride. It was a very good ride. And it was, and it was just, it was, it was intriguing to me. One of the things I remember early on about this is that I was reading an article, you know, because I'm trying to do some uh, market research about fortune cookies. And there's a statistic out there. I'll probably get it wrong. But um, basically... If you receive a fortune cookie, there's a 99% chance you're going to open it and read the fortune. Right. Of course you are. And then there's a 75% chance you're going to take that fortune and you're going to read it to whoever's in your company. Right. So when you're thinking about being a marketing person and trying to deliver a message, yeah. I mean, that, I mean, how much more powerful can you get than that? <laughs> That's you great. Know, right? Yeah, right. So um, I started thinking about, um, you know, and Cindy was doing a great job coming up with really clever happy, um, you know, uh, feel good, feel yeah. good uh, fortunes. Yes. And, um, and, and I thought, you know, well, we can do this for, you know, for doctors that are in referrals. We can do, I mean, there's, you know, there's just so many opportunities, uh, law firms and, and. Um, well, and, the corporate, yeah, yeah. corporate yeah, right. gifts, So the corporate piece was huge yeah. because if you're a corporate marketer and you want to deliver a message, um, wouldn't you like 99% of the people that receive your gift to open it and read yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so... It's so um, unique, too. So, it's so unique, yeah. yeah. So, anyway, we... Uh, I was fine. The, the cookies were so big that we actually put an engagement ring in one one time. Yeah. We would put dollar bills in or $100 bills in. So, it was... Yeah. We, you two sound pretty enthused. Maybe you need to or want to get back in that business. <laughs> <I don't think so. laughs> it was a lot of hours standing on your feet. a lot of standing on your feet, yeah. But, so but so you've got a call, and your dad is terminally ill. Yeah. And somehow you made a, a decision to exit the cookie business because it would have been impossible to do both. Mm -hmm. And Dave goes back into the business. And at that point, were you feeling like, 
okay, um, well, this is different because I thought I left the business, but I've got a round trip now. Well, the, um, you know, I, I had made a promise to Fred. Um, you know, I, I probably wasn't clear about this, but, uh, you know, I said I didn't want to work for him, and, and I was very clear about that, and he understood that. But I, but I also said, you know, if you ever need me, if the family needs me, if the, you know, if the situation ever comes that you know you need me, um, and it doesn't involve you being my boss, um, then uh, you know that I'm I'm going to be here for you. So I had made that commitment to him. So um, you know, regardless of whether it, whether I was going to be there, you know, six months, or whether I was going to, you know, ultimately be there for eleven or twelve years and ongoing. Um, wasn't determined at that point, but it was it was clear that you know I had made a commitment to him that I was that I would be there in the event that he needed me, and and at this point he really needed me. And in so your was mind, was it more like six months? Was it like you're going to step in and temporarily help out? <laughs> to be honest with you, I really didn't know. Yeah. Um, I, all I knew was that uh, you know the business, you know we, we there were a lot of, of of people that were depending on this business. You know, obviously the employees. You know, we had long relationships with the suppliers that. Um, you know, Cindy and I know, you know, not just on a business level, but on a very personal level. Right. Um, in so in Europe and in Asia. In Europe and in Asia. Yep. So, you know, there were and, and customers and so forth. And, um, you know, I was still operating in this industry, yeah. um, you know, through my consulting business. So, um, you know, there were there were a lot of stakeholders out there that um, that needed that we needed to address. Um, so I didn't know how long it was going to be um, or or even whether or not he might, you know, snap through this and and be back but the point but early on it was just you know we need to do this and and uh yeah somebody of, needed to step it. in yeah. that's a, a pretty authority pretty, yeah. but that's a pretty unusual and amazing story though right because usually in those situations the person you need to come in has to be all in but it's hard to be all in if you don't know if you're all in forever or all in for six yeah. months or yeah. right yeah so how, how did you, did, and did the employees in the company, they must have accepted you as coming in that role? Was that easy or hard? I, I, it was it was incredibly easy. Um, and um, I mean, it was very difficult dealing with all the family and the personal issues yes. and the health issues. And, yes. And that part of it was excruciatingly hard. But the but the transition into the business was, was extremely easy. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know how to, articulate this really well but um, there there are times in your life where you just feel like I'm doing what I should be doing yeah I, and I don't know how to explain it beyond yeah. that and you knew it and I knew it yeah it just felt like it it, it um, you know this I'm supposed to be here yeah I'm supposed to be here yeah and I don't know how to put it any more um, articulately than that but that's that's how I felt and and I think the employees um, you know you know Fred was the guy yeah uh, all decisions went through Fred um, and they knew that, um, you know, if, if not for me stepping in, um, from an employee standpoint, they, they certainly wouldn't, wouldn't have known who else was going to do this. Yes. Um, you know, cause I knew the suppliers, I knew the customers, I knew the product line, I'd worked there before. Um, I knew, you know, I knew, and, and most of the employees that were there at that time, you know, I'd known because they were there, you know, 10 years earlier. Well, you know. I guess, of course, the two of you were lucky to have Fred, but boy, he was lucky to have the two of you, mm. because I would say I can't remember another story in my in my experience 
where you have an entrepreneur who I call a severe entrepreneur, as I said, I say that very mm -hmm. affectionately, I get it. Mm -hmm. But usually those people um, are challenged to be able to attract and retain talent. Yeah. So if there were something that happened quickly that you needed help, it would be hard to find. Right, yeah. So yeah, it's like super lucky. On both sides. Yeah. 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 And I think there was a lesson there that my dad never really had an exit plan. There was no strategy for... Of course not. Yeah, because he... You know, he thought his father lived to 103, ah. and he thought, I'm going to live that long as well, and I don't need one. So at 78, he passed. Yeah, yeah. So, wow, we just come through a bunch of chapters. Yeah. <laughs> like, and in each chapter, you two were showing your, uh, your energy as entrepreneurs. Yeah. With each other and with others. So, like... When you grew up, Cindy, did you always think you were going to be an entrepreneur? Yes. And how about you, Dave? Absolutely. And were your parents entrepreneurs? They were not. They were not. My mom worked at the school as a uh, librarian and yeah. at the school. Uh, and my well, I guess my dad was. My dad was uh, in in commercial real estate development, so that is entrepreneurial for sure. Yeah. Um. But uh, I I did I don't. I don't think it came from them, but I don't know. You never, you're never quite sure. But I, I, it was, you know, I've never, I've never been as comfortable um, working for somebody else as I am working for myself. Yeah, I think that's. I think that. I think that's is the, the heart of it. That's the heart we, of it. We yeah. both like working for ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, I get that, and I am in full agreement. However, I would say that uh, I've observed in you an ability that most entrepreneurs don't have which is you can also do the other and you've proven it. Yeah. Like if you wanted, if you had to work for a larger organization and you put yourself to work, you could do that. Yeah. Yeah. So most, most entrepreneurs can't actually do that. They're not employable. Fred <laughs> wouldn't have been employable, no, right? Been employable. Never. <laughs> <laughs> so, so um, what chapter, so we're recording this on uh, September 30th, 2022 here at Bigelow. What chapter is this? Well, in the in the evolution of Fowler, it's it's um, you know your team working together with us came up with a uh, um, a really I think effective way of describing the evolution of Fowler Company as Fowler uh, 1.0, 2.0, 3.0, uh, 1.0 being Fred, um, 2.0 being uh, you know my coming in, um, and then 3.0 being you know post transaction. Um, so clearly, you know, from the uh, from the business side, we've we've just leaped, leapt um, aggressively in, uh, into 3.0, which is which is very exciting, and you know, we can certainly talk about that. And, and do you think it opens a new chapter for the two of you personally? Is it? Do you think of it that way? Yeah. Yeah. And on the on the personal side, Cindy and I, um, you know, we feel like we're in. You know, there's a lot of things that have happened. Um, and the timing has been has been interesting, and in our personal lives, um, we're in this we're in this really interesting sweet spot where we have two wonderful girls. Uh, they're both uh, smart, um, and they have uh, terrific uh, relationships. Uh, the our oldest uh, is uh, just became engaged, but you know we're we're um, we're healthy. Um, you know we now have. Um, uh, a little bit more flexibility than we've had in other parts of our lives, um, but um, our kids are not married yet. 
We don't have any grandchildren. We don't have a dog. We don't even have a goldfish. So we have this, we have this new chapter where, where we can um, you know, be a, uh, maybe a little bit selfish and, and take advantage of, of this opportunity and go do some things that, uh, um, you know, that you might not otherwise not be able to do. So we feel incredibly fortunate um, and, and uh, grateful to, be, to kind of be entering this new chapter for us, which is, I think, going to involve uh, you know, some fun travel and just doing some things we've never done before. Um, you know, we're um, like you. We're we're attracted to the ocean. Uh, we have a uh, we have a boat. Uh, we're definitely going to use that, and we're going to go to some ports and places and and do some adventures and discovery that we haven't uh, had the opportunity to do before. Uh, so that's you know, I, I think in terms of the next five years, mm-hmm. probably until we have uh, you know grandchildren and we have uh, respon- you know a new set of responsibilities in, in the next chapter. Uh, you know, we have this kind of interesting window that we're really um, excited to explore. That's cool. As a couple, and kind of go back to, oops, uh, going back to, uh, you know, focusing on ourselves as, as yeah. a couple and, yeah, and doing cool. some fun things together. Yeah, I don't, I don't think of that as being selfish at all. Actually, I think of it as being a new chapter of, like, exploration, adventure, maybe learning and growing. But I'm going to guess that the learning and growing you do are going to make you even more capable in the next chapter, whatever that is, right? Mm-hmm. Right? It's yeah, more right. adding. And yet, Dave, over the years that we've known each other, uh, during some of that time, um, you and I talked about you transitioning out of the business, and um, I think at some point you even had some thoughts of you know transitioning right out of the business. Yet now, oh, well, I'm not sure exactly when the switch changed, but at some point in our dialogue together, you actually, I saw, get more energized about the business and actually being more in the business. And I would say now you're more in the business than ever, right? So do do I have that accurate? You do. Well, I think it goes back to what we talked about earlier when I left Fowler, is that there was, I didn't see any growth opportunity. And that's really the part of being in business that is the most exciting to me, is, you know, having a plan, um, um, executing against that plan, Growing the business, um, I, I'm, a, I'm a big believer in team. Um, you know, building a team, um, getting the team focused around a vision, um, executing as a team. You know, those those uh, incredible moments where you win as a team and everybody's you know rah rah. Uh, that's the stuff that gets me up in the morning. That's the part that gets me really excited. And um, you know, now that we've uh, gone through this recapitalization and we're, and we're beginning on Fowler 3.0 and we have the, uh, the wherewithal to, to really make some uh, changes and, and do some M&A and, and, and do a lot of the things that you'd like to do, um, I find myself completely re-energized. You're absolutely yeah. right, you know, and, it, and, it's, um, and it's mostly uh, due to the fact that I, I, I'm really excited about where we're, t- where we're going uh, and, so- and we're going to be able to build again. So some of the um, business owners listening to this podcast are probably thinking to themselves, well, okay, this sounds like a really together couple, and they ran this business over the past numbers of years, and we hear what Dave is saying about growth, but really, why would he have had to go seek out a new investor? Maybe he could have just like gone to the bank and borrowed some money, and you could have had the same thing, and you could continue to own 100% of the business. Yeah. What's your response to that? Yeah, no, I mean, we, we had stakeholders. So Cindy and I own a controlling interest of the business, but, uh, you know, we have, we, her brother is a partner of ours, and, um, and I think the, 
just like with Fred maybe, and probably with a lot of other people that are listening to this, uh, you get to a point, uh, I'm 63, uh, you get to a point in your career where you become risk adverse, like Fred was when I was working for him 25 years ago. And, and that's just not a good place for an entrepreneur to be. Um, it's, not, um, it's not challenging, it's not exciting, um, it's, it's, it's maintenance. And maintenance is just something that I'm not particularly good at, which is why I probably uh, became you know, less engaged. So we had other stakeholders, we made some really big bets early on, um, and, and they came and they, they worked out really well. Um, there are some other really big bets that you know are, need to be made, um, and I think Cindy and I got to the point where we just weren't re willing to put our chips on the table anymore, or all of our chips on the table. You know, we didn't want to sacrifice you know our entire net worth to to chase you know a new opportunity where you know ten years ago I would have. Yeah, I mean, uh, so, so I think so many people will resonate with what you just said. Where you know I've heard it said like. Uh, Someone would say, like, well, we really ought to uh, spend more time expanding in Europe and Asia. And the owner of the business would say, really? I have to bet the farm again? Yeah, exactly. Right? So yeah. at some point, you might not want to do that. But, right. but let me ask you a more nuanced question. Actually, another thing I've noticed is that in businesses that are successful over long periods of time, like yours has been, they get to a period of uh, equilibrium, <laughs> and they get to a point where things are going along fine and they're kind of going along just kind of the way you have set them up and that's everyone is uh, playing the same role with each other day after day the stakeholders are the same ones day after day and sometimes an entrepreneur who has a vision for what it could become that's different than what it is I've seen almost has to do what I call a, a significant emotional event it's almost a change in control of ownership in order to get everyone to realize, hey, this isn't business as usual. It's a new game. In your parlance, it's Fowler 3.0. Yep. Did you feel that way? Absolutely, 100%. Um, the, I absolutely felt that way, yeah, that, that we needed to shake things up. That, um, and by having some, some entrepreneurs listening to this might say, wow, you've got a new big constituent at the table who's got big expectations. Right. And how did you feel about having a new constituent? Yeah, I, 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 I've embraced it. Um, I have a, uh, you know, the particular group that we went with, um, uh, you know, we, we vetted them very well with your help. Yeah. Um, and I don't, you know, I, I, I did a lot of um, background diligence of my own. Um, you guys laughed at me, but I called every single reference they gave me. Yeah. Um, and I talked to every single uh, platform uh, investment that they had you know, currently and in the past, yeah. um, got to know some of those owners, uh, talked to you know what you know what to expect, uh, and uh, so I you know we definitely went into this with eyes wide open, and, um, and and I think the I had I have uh, a vision of where I, I think Fowler should be. You know, we in our industry in the uh, in the metrology industry, most of our competitors are you know multi billion dollar worldwide operations. So. Um, you know, we're definitely the, uh, you know, the, the, the David's fighting the Goliaths uh, here. Um, but I don't, but I've always felt that there's an imbalance in that. The products that we sell in many cases are much superior to what, you know, Goliath is selling. Um, but we just have to get our word out there. We have to get our name out there. We have, you know, customers have to think, uh, you know, Fowler 
uh, when they're trying to make a decision about product and not just go to, uh, you know, there was the old saying, you know, you never get fired for buying an IBM. And I think that's true in our industry and I'm sure it's true in a lot of the industries, people listening to it. So I had this, you know, uh, I had this, you know, how do we, how do we become, um, you know, more of a, uh, a thought leader? How, how, do, how do people, how do we get to the point where people, you know, really pick up the phone and call us first or, or at least second? Um, you know, versus just always going to the uh, to the bigger players in the industry. So, uh, and I had a lot of ideas about how to do that, but it, it's just amazing how you know bringing in somebody uh, like our uh, our PE partner uh, who have been down this road before. They understand how to do that. They know how to do that, um, and to be able to have their ideas at the table, um, to be able to have their energy at the table. Um, and then to be and back all that up with you know the the financial ability to do those things is is exciting and it's you know you probably hear it in my voice I mean this yeah. is what gets me charged up that's again. great and uh, so it's uh, you know it's it's working I think it's working for I know it's working for our employees for our suppliers you know the more we sell the more the happier they get um, you know our customers you know we've got a long term uh, relationship with these customers and you know we're going to be around for a long time to help them and. And I think more and more and more, we're going to become, um, you know, that that market leader that I always envisioned we could be. I, I mean, I'm I'm so impressed with both of your courage, uh, including in this discussion, this last paragraph, because I think most people listening to this podcast would think that people uh, do a recap or sale of their business at the end of their career, and they they kind of get that that makes sense, right? Uh, they're going to quote retire unquote. Or some other people would think, oh, they've taken it as far as they can. Maybe they don't have the skill to take it somewhere else, and they're smartly throwing in the towel. Some other people would think, like you said before, that they're just uh, risk-averse, and they don't want to have to bet the farm again. But you're saying something completely different. What you're saying is that, no, actually, our business had reached a point where it was going along fine, and we had sort of the same people doing the same jobs. These are my vocabulary. We had equilibrium. And that actually, I wanted to shake it up. I wanted to break glass. And the way I, I decided to do that was to bring a new partner in who had these characteristics you just decided. And I'm going to continue to grow the business into what we can become, which we couldn't have done by ourselves. I think that's what you said. Yes. I think that's huge. And, and I think, you know, and, and going back to some of those other points that you made that a lot of other people think about, um, you know, there, there also is that desire on my side, you know, and I, and I mean this in the most respectful way possible. To not do what Fred did, yeah, meaning that we have an exit strategy, yeah. so that um, you know, as as we start to capture this vision that I have in my head, and and I've got the team now moving toward um, that there'll be a there'll be a very smooth opportunity for me to transition out, um, and and for the team just to pick up and, and drive on in the direction that uh, you know that these guys are able to take us. So so there is that piece of it. Um, as well, because um, you know, Cindy, Cindy and her family grew up. Um, you know, we, we we laugh about it, we talk about it, but uh, you know, we've been to weddings uh, with our suppliers. You know, we've been mm -hmm. to uh, vacations with our suppliers. I mean, these are fifty-year relationships, multi-generational relationships that we have with people from Europe and China that um, uh, that are really important to us, and so. Um, I, I want to be able. I, I absolutely was concerned about putting the uh, the company on a path for growth, um, and and then also to be able to make sure that um, all the constituents were going to benefit from it, um, all the stakeholders, and that and that also, 
um, I would be able to have a glide path out. So there is that part of it. Right. I mean, right. Uh, I'm not I'm not ready to hang up my my and, cleats yet. And, but, and, um, that I, and that I had a partner who, who had the same interest that I did to make sure that I had a good successor. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, Cindy, you guys have been through a lot of chapters and a lot of different businesses and ideas. Um, is there an unavoidable choices to be made between being a good parent and being a successful entrepreneur? Hmm. Um, sorry, rephrase the question. <laughs> Are there difficult choices to be made between being a, quote, good parent, unquote, and being a successful entrepreneur? I think you, you have to, well, time is one. There's never enough time, right? Um, but I think for both our kids, I think that over the years, when we haven't been with them, when they've seen us grow, I think they've been very proud of us. They've seen us grow. They saw me grow in my design business. They saw me grow in the cookie business. And even though I was taking time away from them to, to nurture those businesses, there was always that, wow, this is what my mom's doing. This is what my dad's doing. So there was a respect there on both sides. What do you think your daughters learned about the world of work from the two of you? Uh, that you have to work hard to deserve what you get. Um, we've always worked hard. So they got your conscientiousness and your focus. Mm -hmm. And are, will, will they be entrepreneurs, do you think? Uh, yes, they actually both, I think, are. I think they're both in jobs yep. right now working for somebody else. Yep. But uh, both of them have expressed to me a creative side. I've seen it with them growing up, that there is something that they want to do beyond what they're doing now. I mean, they're both in very respective careers. One is a nurse and one is an engineer. So they're, they're both doing something for, you know, the greater world yep. in their respective careers. But I think that definitely they've, they've seen us um, be able to have the freedom to make our own schedules and work hard to get there, but I think that's something for each of them that they're going to want to do. Yeah, I think down the road. I don't know your daughters, but if if I were them, I would be observing that you two are really whole people, who you have ownership of an important enterprise and you've just done this cool thing with it, but you also are you know, adventurers, explorers, you care about your boat, you care about travel, you care about this stuff. So, I mean, I think there's a lot of lessons for daughters there, right? Oh, my parents are whole people. They're not just like doing this one thing. Yeah. That's very cool. Yeah. So some people who are listening to this podcast might think, wow, this couple has led a charmed life. I mean, look, they get together, they did this thing and Dave came out of real estate, they worked for the father's business, they moved to Michigan, wow, 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 that's great, but wow, that's all, they are just success after success after success. Could you point to a couple of places where maybe you didn't have as much success, maybe you had some, stub your toe along the way that you had some particular learnings? Oh my gosh, there's been so many. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think the, um, you know, on the, Talking from the Fowler side, um, there, you know, they, I think maybe not so much stubbing the toe, but the but the parts that were the most difficult 
both for Cindy and for myself on the father side, definitely came from the people. Um, people or family? Uh, well, I'm saying, you know, as, as the CEO and president of Fowler for all those years, um, and then coming in and inheriting, you know, the, the business that Fred had built and wanting to respect it and build it and grow it and do all the things that I had wanted to do 20 years earlier, um, but wanting to do it with a, with a group of people that um, were, were now, were, had been loyal to Fred and, and did things the way Fred wanted to do them, there were a lot of really difficult decisions that had to be made. Um, and some of them were incredibly painful. Mm. Um, you know, uh, long-term friends, people that we'd known for a long time, that um, were, 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 were good at doing things the way Fred wanted them done. Um, and, um, you know, I think we, we tried to give everybody the opportunity to do things, you know, to, to, gener to um, get to Fowler 2.0. And some of them just uh, didn't understand it, didn't sure. want it, uh, couldn't get there. Sure. Um, and we, we definitely lost some, um, you know, some important relationships um, just because of the, you know, we had to make some really challenging decisions. So that was tough for sure. Um, you know, there were, there were a lot of business decisions along the way where, you know, you, uh, um, you know, you think one thing's going to happen, but another thing happens. You spend too much money on inventory. You don't have... Uh, you have to go to the bank and and, uh, uh, and and explain to them why you know you're going to be out of covenant next month and um, you know there's a lot of uh, there, there's been a lot of those along the way um, where we've uh, grown and got smarter uh, about how we manage the business and think about the business and and um, but uh, I, I would say the biggest I'm not going to say so much toe stub but the but the 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 biggest decisions, the ones where I agonized the most, where I was up all night hating what I was going to have to do in the morning, mostly revolved around, um, you know, having to part ways with people that had been with the company and done a good job and given their heart to the company for a long time, but just weren't going to be the people that could get us to the next, get us to follow 2.0. Right. And that, you know, I'm, I'm going to have that for a long time to deal with. I mean, that, that doesn't go away. Yeah, I, I, I'm just um, pausing because I'm reflecting that I'm going to say that it, I would say that's probably all entrepreneurs' biggest challenge is that if you do grow and evolve, it's natural that you grow and evolve uh, beyond some people, yep. either because they don't have the capability, or I have found more frequently they actually do have the capability, they just don't want to do it. it. I've seen it both ways, and, for sure. And... Uh, I've always been of the view that like there's no blame that they're probably doing the job that they always did even harder that they were doing it and they're just either unwilling or unable to make the change and so I've always felt like it's more humane to separate those people quickly to help them find a place where actually they're valued and appreciated because they're hardworking typically yeah yep. but it's it's that's a minority view it's that's hard to do <laughs> it's a minority view yeah but um, a lot of a lot of long discussions in the hot tubs over yes, the years. Yes, yes. That's where all these we talk about. I mean, I've always been a sounding board for Dave. I've never really been involved with the business, the Fowler business, other than his sounding board. And what that means, Cindy, is other than every lunch, every right. dinner, yes. every holiday, yes. every vacation. Right. 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 
uh, one of our friends and clients said, I never knew if I was going to Thanksgiving dinner or if I was going to a board meeting. <laughs> <laughs> it was the same thing. Yeah. yeah. So um, there are plenty of people who are either college students or they're out of school or you know they think they want to be entrepreneurs and they're listening to this and they think, God, I want to do that. What advice would the two of you give to a young, driven, let's say college-age person who thinks that they want to be an entrepreneur? I, I, th I feel like, uh, like mentorship um, is a critical piece of it, you know. Um, you know, for all of the um, ups and downs, you know, of our relationship, um, I think through it all, Fred and I, you know, maintained a, a very healthy respect for one another, um, and uh, and he was absolutely, you know, uh, one of my mentors. Um, so, uh, and I remember traveling to Europe with him, uh, you know, meeting with suppliers, just sitting back in in meetings and, and understanding what was going through his mind, what he was trying to accomplish, how he was going about doing it, um, you know, how he viewed the world. Um, how he viewed, you know, our industry, um, and and I really had, um, you know, a, a, an exceptional uh, co-pilot seat yeah. uh, next to a guy who I didn't always agree with, yeah. but it was it was just amazing to you know to to you know tap into his energy and his and his view of the world, yeah. and 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 then also you know how how to put things together. So if you have this idea and this is what you want to do, this is how you actually go about doing it. And so I, I feel like uh, mentorship um, is something that I would um, I would highly encourage you know any um, anybody coming out of college or, or you know to try to grab onto somebody who's doing it doesn't even have to be the same industry but somebody who's doing things the way you think things ought to be done or or you know so there's something about what they do that is is intriguing or exciting to you. And, and latch on to them because it's if I've learned anything over the last uh, five years you know working with Bigelow going through this process is that there are so many there's so many people out there that are willing to give of their time they're willing to um, you know uh, give you the give you the answers to the test you just have to ask the question you have to be willing to um, you know to be part of the discussion it's so, fascinating because you're kind of echoing what uh, Cindy said about the cookie business early on. She said there were so many people willing to help me. Yeah. You Absolutely. know, that might have something yeah. to do with the two of you. Well, uh, you know, so if you if you want to, you know, you, you have to be somebody that somebody would want to work with. Yeah, right. You know, right. so. Yeah, what a, what a rich coach you had that I'm just imagining that, you know, uh, again, I feel cheated. I didn't meet Fred, but I'm imagining that after some of those meetings, he would have said, you dope, why don't you sit up straight? Why aren't you taking notes? Now, don't say that about the price. We're not putting the price down. We're putting the price up. And by the way, you ought to write that guy a follow-up note and blah, 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 blah. And yeah. you were ready to kill him sometimes, probably. No doubt. But maybe the fact that he wasn't your father, that, you know, I know he's your father-in-law, but still, there was yeah. a, there was a there separation was a, there. Yeah, degree of separation, I think. Yeah. You think Definitely. that was helpful? Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. And I think, honestly, when I remember when we did leave for Michigan, they summoned me down to their home. <laughs> <laughs> and we had already broken the news to them that we were leaving. And they didn't like it. They told me right out. They were so sad. But they also said they were so proud. Oh, cool. Yeah, very cool. So that was nice. Yeah. 
So let's say we go to sleep tonight and magically we wake up tomorrow and magically it's October 3rd, 2032, 10 years from now. And while we're asleep, incredibly powerful and positive changes take place at Fowler. Like real miracles happen and Fowler begins to become what you've hoped it will become. So now it's 2032. You go into the, the office, you go into the organization, and you're incredibly proud of what you see, Dave and Cindy. And as you take in the vision and you look at it, what do you see? Uh, I th uh, for me, the vision is that um, what Fred started, and you know, I don't want to get too into the the weeds here, but um, we have we have two distinct um, products that we sell. On the one hand, we sell uh, very mechanical hand tool type products, uh, and that's how the business started. Um, on the other uh, side, we, we sell very highly engineered uh, products. And on the highly engineered side, um, you know, these are products that allow customers to do things in a very automated way. Um, and it's, it's clear that in the marketplace today, um, U.S. manufacturing, and it's a, and it's a welcome shift uh, from my standpoint, that uh, you know, manufacturers are, are making the best products in the world here in the United States. Yes. Um, the innovation is amazing. The, um, you know, the level of sophistication, um, you know, everything's getting smaller, it's getting faster, and it's just, it's just amazing to me. Uh, it's the part of the business that I love. Um, so what, what I've tried to do to position Fowler in, in, a, in a way that we are in front of that curve. So uh, as manufacturers look to do things leaner, faster, uh, more integrated, uh, more closed loop in our terms, um, you know, we've, we've tried to bring on products um, and bring on talent and, uh, and, and, and move the company in a direction where we're, we're ahead of this uh, so that we can go into customers and we can offer them, um, you know, a, a, a turnkey solution. Uh, the part gets made, you know, we inspect the part, uh, we, all, the inf all the data about that inspection goes back to the machine that's actually making the part. It changes the configuration, and they can run lights out, and, uh, and, and they can see, you know, they can continue to make great product, uh, the best product in the world. Uh, they can uh, reduce their scrap. Uh, they can improve their profitability, um, and, you know, airplanes fly and cars move, and, and all the cool things that's supposed to happen, all the cool things that are supposed to happen, happen. Um, and I just, I, I want Fowler um, and Fowler's suppliers to participate in that. Um, and so, you know, what, what, what I see 10 years down the road is I'm going to walk in and we're going to have people, uh, we're going to have different divisions that are going to be, you know, Fowler Automation. And the automation guys are going to be writing software and, and, and things are going to be, uh, you know, coming off of production, uh, going through inspection, quality control. Um, and you know, back to the machinery, and, and the whole system is going to be working uh, in a way that is different uh, than the original Fowler company. Right. You know, we, we laughed. We had a fun night last night. Thank you very much again. That was great fun. Um, yeah. But um, and and uh, Chris and and Stephen were hysterical when um, you know they presented Cindy and I with with some mops. Yes. Right. So. Fowler Company, we didn't talk about this, which is fine, but Fowler Company started uh, selling mops and brooms to hardware stores. Right. And then they pivoted uh, away from the hardware business into the metrology business. 
Um, and so I, I see this as that same pivot. You know, we're, we're, we're pivoting away from, you know, the hand tools, the micrometers, calipers, and, and the things that we'll always continue to sell, but we're pivoting into a new world, into, you know, manufacturing 4.0. Um, and so 10 years from now, that's my vision, is that, is that we are going to be a thought leader. We're going to be, uh, we're going to have the, um, you know, the service support, the after sale, the, you know, the engineering ability uh, on the front end um, to really work with the, the finest manufacturers in the world, who we already work with today, but, but work with them in a much more engaged way than we do today and be, and be really part of their whole manufacturing process. Almost like a global, Fowler Global one one-stop solution for, for metrology. metrology. Exactly. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed this interview as much as I did. We believe that entrepreneur owner managers are the most powerful pro-social and pro-economic force on the planet. And it's for that reason that we dedicate our firm Bigelow to working exclusively with them. At Positive Enterprise Value, we freely share our learning so that you can absorb from the experiences of other private business owners with skin in the game, just like you. Bigelow is widely regarded as the M&A advisor that deals exclusively with high-performing entrepreneur owner managers. Our scrappy independent boutique firm only offers one service, that is to help build and someday capture enterprise value. You can find all of the episodes on this podcast on Bigelow's website, which is BigelowLLC.com. <laughs>